Some of you probably think that that looks like fun. And if that's the case, then I probably need to pray for you. So if you want to, you can just put your name on a connect card later and just say, I thought that video was fun, and I promise I'll pray for you. Okay, for the rest of us, that looks hard. I mean, just think, how tired would you be if you had to do that 12, 15, 18 hours in a day without a single break? Or here's one. Then what if you had to do it for six or seven days a week? Good morning, and welcome to Lake Hills Church. By the way, if some of you are a bit confused, I am not Mac Richard. And, uh, and, and he will be back next week. And I'm just very grateful to him that I get a chance to stand in uh, while, while he's spring breaking. He's, he's doing spring break also. I'm so glad to be here. I'm glad you're at Lake Hills Church. But I want to, I want to go back to this, to, 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 to this, this video, the, this spin class. Aren't there seasons in your life that feel like a continuous spin class. From that moment you get up in the morning, you climb on your spin cycle, and you're there until just before you go to bed, and when you finally get to bed, you are just dead tired, and you're so glad the day is over, because now hopefully you'll be able to sleep. If that is kind of what your life is right now, then I just want to let you know that I can identify with your spin class. Because probably more than any season in my life, and by the way, in case you can't tell, I've had a lot of seasons, okay? But probably more than any season in my life, this season in my life really is that continuous spin class. In addition to all of the demands that go on with being a full-time pastor, this spin class season has included a lot of family health-related issues. And when I say a lot, I am not exaggerating. We, uh, we, we made so many trips to the emergency room during this season that a while back when I opened up my iPhone Rather than showing me the shortest route home or to Lake Hills Church, Waze gave me the shortest route to the hospital. That's what my life has been like. Well, about a month ago, Mac made my day when he walked into my spin class and he said, Terry, can you preach for me on the 24th? And, and, and folks, you need to understand that, that it made my day because when I get to sub for Mac, it's that time that, that I feel most like I'm doing exactly what God created me to do. And so it's actually energizing. And so I said, sure, what do you want me to preach on? Now, what would be the one thing that during this spin class season of my life, I would not want to preach on. Somebody tell me. Sabbath. Sabbath. Good shot. She got it. The Sabbath. In fact, you know what I, he said, when he said Sabbath, I thought, you're kidding me. And, 
And so I, I wrote it down, not that I was in danger of, of missing it, but I, I wrote it down. You know, in all of my years as being a pastor, and I figured out the other day that I have preached over 4,000 messages in, in all of my years as a pastor. Four, that, that, that's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. 4,000. Do you know how many times I've preached on the Sabbath? Anybody want to guess? None. You got it. None. Zero. And you know why? Because I'm so bad at it. If, and, and that's the truth. Just ask my wife. Okay. But this, this Sabbath neglect season is on a whole nother level. And it's been at that level now for almost two years. Well, I was, after Mac told me that I got to preach for him today, I was on my way back to the truck complaining to God saying, and here's what I told God. I'm not exaggerating. I said, God, you know that I love it when Mac asked me to preach for him. But God, why the Sabbath? How in the world am I going to be able to preach about the Sabbath? Well, you know what? God answered my complaint. And it was much more of a complaint than a prayer, I promise you. But he answered my complaint. And, and if that's what your life is like right now, then I have good news for you. Because I've discovered something about us, about you and me, that really can change your life. Let's pray. Lord God, Father, I thank you for giving me this incredible privilege of continuing to talk about your goodness and your greatness to the next generation. Lord, thank you for letting me do it here with Mac and Julie in a church that, that shares my vision, or I guess I share their vision. God, thank you. And Lord, I just ask you now to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, don't let anything in me get in your way. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. It's been a couple weeks ago, in the morning before my time with the Lord, I was thinking about this particular season of Sabbath neglect in my life. And while I was thinking about it, all sorts of different passages in the Bible were going through my brain about the Sabbath. And the first one that crossed my mind was in Luke chapter 14, verse 5, where Jesus said, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, Will you not immediately pull it out? Well, I thought about that, and I said, God, my ox has been in the well for a long time now. And then, but then as I thought about that, I thought, and, and by the way, I was thinking that in the context of how many Sabbaths I'd had. And, and I said, but God, I'm okay. But I shouldn't be Okay. So why, God, am I okay? In fact, I said, God, I'm even more than okay. Psalm 92 verse 14 says, they will bear fruit in old age. Wow, I fit the old age category. They will bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. And I thought, God, that's me. That's me. But it shouldn't be me. And I don't understand 
why. More than 1,400 years ago, excuse me, not 1,400 years ago, more than 1,400 years before Jesus, God gave his people, the Jews, the Ten Commandments, and he asked them in the Fourth Commandment to set apart one day a week for a Sabbath, a rest day. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse, beginning in verse 12, where God says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter nor your male or female servant nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals. Don't work on the Sabbath, God said. Don't work on the seventh day. In fact, he said, don't even let your animals work on the seventh day. And God was serious about his people resting on the Sabbath. I mean, if you, uh, uh, he was kind of like a mom at nap time telling her kids, if you get out of bed even once, you are in trouble. Well, that's kind of what God did. If you work on the Sabbath, you are in big trouble. In fact, it was a capital offense to work on the Sabbath. In Exodus chapter 35, verse 2, it says, For six days work is to be done, but the seventh day shall be a holy day, a day of a Sabbath rest to the Lord. So he says, the Sabbath, the seventh day, is a holy day. Holy means set apart. And he says it's a Sabbath, a holy day set apart for a Sabbath rest to the Lord. So the seventh day of the week, which was Saturday, is to be set apart to provide time to rest, but it was also to be to the Lord. It was a time for them to think about and worship God who had delivered them from slavery in Egypt. Now, 1400 year, more than 1,400 years later, after the resurrection, early Christians set apart the first day of the week, Sunday, to be the day to the Lord. It became their Sabbath. But the point was the same. Work six days and rest one day. And this Sabbath rest was to be to the Lord. Well, after God gave the Sabbath instructions here in Deuteronomy. The Jewish leaders spent the next 1,400 years thinking of all the things that people shouldn't do on the Sabbath. And they came up with 39 different categories of things that were prohibited on the Sabbath. And under each category was this long list of things that you weren't supposed to do on the Sabbath day. So, Jesus and his disciples, they're walking through a field. It happened to be on a Sabbath day. Well, the disciples, as they were walking along, they were through the field, they were picking heads of grain, and they would take the head of grain, they would rub it in their hands to get the shells off, and then they would take the shelled grains, and they would plop it in their mouths and eat it. Well, some of the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, they saw them doing this, and they objected to Jesus. They said, Jesus, look, look what your guys are doing. They're rubbing the shells off. We well, see, they could eat the grain, but only if they left the shells on. But rubbing the shells off, that was one of the things they weren't supposed to do because that was considered work. 
Well, Jesus defended his disciples, and he said, he, he, he told them a story from the Old Testament about when David and the priests, when they didn't abide by all these Sabbath rules. And then he says in Mark 3, 27, he says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. He said, well, so when God established the Sabbath as a day of rest, it was for man. But Exodus says it was to the Lord. So which is it? Is it for man or is it to the Lord? Both. Good shot. Good shot. Both. Both. Has to be both. A couple of weeks ago, my alarm went off. And uh, I thought, oh, my word. It seemed like I'd just gone to bed. And I thought, I really thought seriously about going back to sleep and skipping my time with the Lord. But by the grace of God, I rolled out of bed, went into the kitchen, got a cup of coffee, sat down at the kitchen table, opened my Bible, and I began reading the Psalms back to God, which is the way I start my time with the Lord, reading my Psalms, reading the Psalms back to God, and then... And then I prayed. I have this long list of people. Many of, some of you are on that list, by the way. Uh, and your kids, you and your kids. And I, I went and I prayed for these people and, uh, and prayed. And, and, then, and then I went back and I, and I read some more in my Bible. And then I put my, closed my Bible and started putting everything away. And I realized that during that time with God, the weariness that I had felt when I turned off the alarm had faded. And then I started thinking back and I realized that every day before in the past week, during that time with the Lord, the same thing had happened. My weariness had faded. And then I got to thinking back through this whole spin cycle season of my life. And I realized every day during that spin cycle season, my time with God rested me more than the sleep that I had had the night before. And that's when I had this kind of light bulb moment and the pieces started coming together. And I said, God, that's why I'm okay, isn't it? It's my time with you that's made me okay. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, the yoke that he's talking about was a wooden cross piece that fit over the neck of an animal or a person, for that matter, and then it was attached to a plow or a cart. Now, the interesting thing about this particular yoke in Matthew 11 is the Greek word used here for yoke is a yoke for two. Now, the implication is on the other side of the yoke, that part of the yoke was attached to Jesus. So it was connected with Jesus that brings rest to the soul. You see, folks, you are more than just a body. You are a soul. You have a soul. That's that inner you that animates you and energizes you and brings life into your life. 
And your soul needs rest just like your body needs rest. And this is where the Sabbath comes in. God gave us the Sabbath so we could rest our body and our soul. That's why it was not only to the Lord, but it was for us, for us to rest our body and our soul. Now, we get confused sometimes when we think that the Sabbath is the same as a day off. But that depends on what you do with the day off. The day off can just be a play day. And that rests your body. And that's a good thing because the body probably needs that rest. But your soul also needs to rest too. And so God gave us the Sabbath to the Lord. Because it's the to the Lord part that rests the soul. Psalm 23, 1, 2, and 3 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He restores my soul. It's the God connection on the Sabbath that rests and restores the soul. And it's an interesting point about soul rest. When a soul is rested and restored, it can actually energize the body. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. You catch that? It's a strength that starts here and works itself out. And he's the one doing it from inside of you with inner strength from his presence. And then in Isaiah chapter 40, the creator of all the earth, he never grows weary, gets tired. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. He's the one who does it. So every morning when I pray and when I read my Bible, my inner man, my soul is restored. In fact, it's, it, 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 it's, it's more than rested. It's renewed and restored by the one who, who gave me a soul. And that restored soul then renews my strength to live the life that God has for me. You see, soul rest, soul restoration takes place when instead of creation occupying our minds, we focus our attention on the creator himself. That's why God gave us the Sabbath, for us to do just that. Well, now you may be thinking, well, Terry, are you saying that we have to be in church for a Sabbath to be to the Lord? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. But you have to admit, church is a good place to rest and restore the soul. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25 says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. So the stress of a spin cycle life wears down your soul. But Pastor Mac's encouraging word lifts it up. In Psalm 119, verse 50, it says, this is my comfort in my affliction. This is my comfort in my spin class. God's word, your word, has revived me. You see, whenever God's word is read, preached, or sang, it revives and restores the soul. Now, if you are feeling guilty or defensive about the way you spend your Sundays, 
you are totally missing the point. That's not what this is about. God does not have a Sabbath score sheet where he keeps track of all the times you miss church unless you have an ox in the well letter from your doctor. The Sabbath, Sunday, is a gift from God to you to rest your body and your soul. But what you do with it is really your decision. Romans 14 just gives us one caution. And that is make sure that when you decide how you're going to use your days, that you're convinced that that's what God wants you to do. So what if, what if your life is a spin class? And what if you're thinking, you know, my soul really does need a rest. Because the stresses of spin class are really wearing me down. And I need more than just a day off. That makes my body feel good, but it doesn't rest my soul. What if that's you? You're convinced that God really does want you to give your soul the rest that it needs. What do you do? Okay, take that little connect card. I want you to put rest, R-E-S-T. R-E-S-T. Here's what we can do if life is a spin class, our soul needs rest, and we're convinced that God wants us to give it the rest that it needs. First, resolve, resolve to make time for soul rest. That's where you choose to give your soul the rest that you and your family You give soul rest for you and your family. You're going to give it the priority that it deserves. Now, I'm going to just make a suggestion here. If you are a family, do it together. Come to a place in agreement where everybody in the family agrees we need to rest our soul. We need to figure out a way to do it so that everybody is on the same page. If you try and legislate it like the Pharisees did then it doesn't end up being much of a soul rest day. So come to an agreement. We believe this is what God wants us to do. Pray and keep praying until you come to an agreement as a family that we want to make more time for soul rest. Second, explore the possibilities. And that means explore the ways to make room for soul rest. And here, folks, you're going to have to ask God Ask God to to show you how you can manage all of the demands on your time and keep soul rest, keep connecting with God on your schedule. Now, Now, for most of us, unless our ox falls in the well, church on Sunday is a good place to connect with God. But it's not the only place, but it is a good place to connect with God. I remember my dad... He used to tell me, son, I can be just as close to God deer hunting as I can in the church. And you know what? Maybe he could. Romans chapter 14 says that's between him and God. 
I know that I actually became a Christian when I was deer hunting. And that's definitely a quality connection with God. But Hebrews chapter 10 also cautions us that the more we neglect getting together with other Christians to do the things that we do and in church, the greater the chance is that we will drift away from that God connection that rests and refreshes our soul. So explore all the possibilities to give soul rest and soul restoration the priority it deserves. And then once we resolve to make time for soul rest and we think we've figured out a way to do it, then what do you do when the soccer coach or a member of your own family or even something that sort of is wandering around inside of here, our own flesh, suggest, man, our soul doesn't need that much rest. Your soul doesn't need that much rest. Well, what do you do then? S, you solicit God's help because we really need it here. You see, the world does not recognize a need for soul rest. Never has. Before God gave the Ten Commandments, 1,400 years before Christ, there wasn't a Sabbath day. And now, in the world we live in, when I came to church this morning, I granted I came pretty early, but you didn't run a whole lot of traffic on the road, did you? So, our world doesn't recognize a need for soul rest. And so, when we resolve that we're going to make time for soul rest, then there's going to be opposition to that. So this is why we need to solicit God's help. Pray for wisdom, will, and courage to do what we've resolved to do. Wisdom to respond to the coaches and the family and even to see through the own deceitfulness that may be coming up from our own flesh. And then the will and the courage to follow through. You say, God, help. And then fourth, T. Test the rest. Test the rest. Psalm chapter 34, 18 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Do it. Just step out in faith and do it. Do it for three months. Do it for four months. That's it. Just test it out. Test the rest. You say, I'm going to rest my soul. I'm going to do it. God, give me the grace to do it. I've convinced my family. God, now let's do it. Test it. Three months. At the end of three months, ask yourself, does soul rest make a difference? Really make a difference in me? God says, just Taste and see that the Lord is good. I promise you, connecting with God rests the soul. And when you get to the end of that three months and you've tested it, and you say, wow, let's do it another three months. And you know what? You put enough three months together, 
And before long, that's normal for you. You've built soul rest right into your life. You see, folks, God created you with a soul. It's your soul that energizes, that brings life into your life. And you know what? God delights in bringing life into your life by resting and restoring your soul. Now, if you're a Christ follower, you got your first taste of soul rest and restoration the moment you asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. But that was just the first taste. God wants to keep doing it, resting and restoring your soul. If you're not a Christ follower, God still wants to rest and restore your soul by filling you with his presence and then keep on doing it for the rest of your life. Now think about that. If you're not a Christ follower, wouldn't it just be awesome for the creator God who gave you a soul to fill your soul with his presence and restore and renew it in the spin cycle times of your life. Wouldn't that be something? You know, you can do that today. You can, really. You can become a Christ follower right here, right now. Last week, I got to share the gospel with a, a, a young lady and. And she said she wanted to become a Christ follower. She wanted to ask Jesus to be her Lord. She believed that he died on a cross and God raised him from the dead. And, and, and she wanted to ask him to be her Lord. And I said, when do you want to do that? And she said, as soon as I get home. And uh, I thought, that's great. And you know what? You can do it as soon as you get home. Or you can do it right here, right now. In a moment, we're going to bow our heads. And if you're a Christ follower, I'm going to ask you to decide. Just examine yourself. Is my soul getting the rest that it needs? And if not, then resolve. Just make a resolution between you and God. God, I want my soul to get the rest it needs. And then you can start right today, starting with the R-E-S-T, all of them. Starting right now. If you're not a Christ follower... And you want to become one. In a second when we bow our heads. Just under your breath. Ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. And be your Lord. With your mouth. Just whisper it. Jesus come into my life. And be my Lord. Will, will you bow your heads please. While everybody's heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, this is your time, if you're a Christ follower, to examine, is your soul getting the rest that it needs? And if you don't think it is, then tell God and tell him you resolve, you want to give it the rest that it needs. But if you're not a Christ follower and you want to become one, now is your chance to do that. Just say under your breath, Jesus, forgive me for my sin and come into my life and be my 
Lord. Be my boss. Jesus, come into my life and be my Lord. That's it. Jesus, come into my life and be my Lord. Now, as everybody's head still bowed, if you just prayed that prayer and asked Jesus Christ to come into your life to be your Lord, I want to ask you to do two things. Before you leave here today, take the Connect card that you were given when you came in and fill it out and, and put your name, preferably readable, and a phone number and your email address. And I, I want to contact you. I want to call you. I want to get in touch with you and, and hopefully talk about some next steps in your new life that you have with Jesus. So just put your name and your phone number and your email address before you leave. I'm asking you to do one more thing. If you just ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord, while everybody's head is bowed and everybody's eyes closed, we'll just raise your hand up. Just raise your hand. It's kind of like marking this time, this time. And it's also letting God know, God, I'm serious. I want Jesus Christ, your son, to be my Lord. Just raise your hand. Just for just a little bit. Thank you very much. Now, we have a tradition around here. When you put your hands down, we put ours together. <laughs>